I'm Joshua Best. I'm Jacob King. And this is Somebody Somebody Else's Favorite Songs. Casual popular music discussion spanning the past 70 years. We talk about the music you love. And the music you should know that you may not. You're listening to Episode 7, Gateway Songs. Welcome back, everybody. Hello again. Looking forward to this episode, as it is our first user-suggested topic. Very exciting. So my friend Rodney came up with this suggestion and thought it would be a good idea to talk about what we've decided to call gateway songs. I wonder where that saying came from. Gateway songs. Hmm. Anyway, whatever uh, song that you heard that caused each of us to jump into that artist's catalog and just go down the go down the albums. That's how I understand it, right? Right. So each of us again has independently selected five such songs and I thought it would be good to because again we've not talked about this. I thought it would be good to give an idea for what exactly that meant to us each. Now for me, I did not take that to mean necessarily that it was the first song I ever heard by that artist. I took it to mean that it was the song that grabbed my attention, that made, that forced me to explore further. And that's kind of how I took it. It could be the first song I'd ever heard, but it might not be. Yes, that's exactly the direction I went with it as well. The idea of the Gateway song was... You know, like like Josh just said, I might have heard X song on the radio for many years, but hearing a certain other song by an artist was really caught my attention, grabbed my attention, and caused me to look into it. Uh, for me, the whole theme for my five uh, songs uh, is music discovery and um, the various ways in which I, over the years, have used different services or websites to find to find new music that I hadn't heard or that you don't hear on the radio. So that's sort of how where I came up with my five. So what about you, Josh? What was your methodology? I tried to think of iconic moments. Okay. <laughs> that you know, just that I specifically remembered as causing me to to go further with an artist. And one of the things that was eliminated by that way of thinking was some of the major artists that that I really that I really like um, the Beatles I I know how I got into the Beatles but I I can't pick a Beatles song that said that's the one that's the one that got me to want to hear more mostly because I don't have a life consciousness in which the Beatles do not exist so that's a great way of putting it it's just it's always always been there and i can't remember it not being there and similarly i chose to stay away from big artists that people are likely to know even though i've told the story uh, twice now uh, on our show about how i came about um wanting to look into the beatles was 
hearing a or seeing a viral video of a young kid singing Hey Jude. So while that could have been an entry on this list, um, I decided to maybe give uh, y'all some artists that I discovered kind of in a, you know, interesting way that maybe you can discover from listening to us. And so wanting to bring some artists to you that you haven't heard. What I wanted to do was a little bit different. Uh, I thought about going totally the discovery route, but I didn't always feel like there was necessarily for me a song or story that that would flesh that out. So instead, I thought what I would do is try not to repeat anything that I've talked about already. Um, for example, I've talked about the specific song that caused me to investigate Jackie Green, an artist that I like very much. Uh, so I did not choose to talk about that again for that reason. Uh, I've talked about the Traveling Wilburys and how they were important because they ultimately introduced me not only to the Wilburys, but to Tom Petty and to Jeff Lynne and Electric Light Orchestra. So Handle With Care would have been a great answer. And in fact, when Rodney made the suggestion, that was one of his gateway songs that, oh, really? that he suggested, Handle With Care. How about and that? That would have been a perfect, yeah. a perfect one. Absolutely. But since we've sort of already talked about that, I've tried to to pick some artists that that I that that are more than just casual listens for me. Uh, all of these are going to be artists that have fairly extended catalogs, except for one of them that I've explored fairly thoroughly over time. And most of them you'll know. Conversely, sounds to me like maybe there'll be some things from Jacob that you won't know. So hopefully this will be a great. A mix of, I like of, of interest. I like where you've gone with it, so I'm and, pretty and you interested. you too. I'm, to... I'm really glad that you that you chose to to do the discovery route. And with that with that said, uh, let's jump right into it. Jacob's going to go first this week. So, what is your first gateway song? Well, without further ado, this is um, a artist that I found on Spotify. Uh, Spotify has had this feature for a few years now called Discover Weekly, where they will put together, I think it's either one or two hours worth of songs based on what you listen to. Here are some other songs that you may like. And uh, many of you may be familiar with this if you use Spotify. Yes, this is something that can be a great thing for new music discovery and can also be terrible if somebody else uses your Spotify account. Yeah, I was just about to say. (laughs) (laughs) Which is how... Coldplay got stuck on mine a couple of years ago, but I've since remedied that situation. (laughs) Well, before, I'm going to prevent Josh going on a Coldplay Coldplay rant. Um, I'm going to just tell you the name of the artist and the song, and we're going to go ahead and listen to it. So, the artist is Justin Towns Earl, and the song that I want to play for you is called Christ Church Woman. I was doing all right, laying in and laying low. I was wasting my night, calling in my favorite songs on the local radio. I was standing in the window, staring down into the streets. Just when the lightning flashed and the thunder rolled, the telephone rang. 
Son, yes. Steve uh, Earle's okay. son. The great alt-country um, artist, still rocking to this day. The um, the son of the man who plays um, I Ain't Ever Satisfied and Copperhead Road. This is some um, very good music. And I heard this on this, this exact song on the Spotify playlist and was taken by the sort of lo-fi kind of feel, but right. then the horns, the upright bass... Um, the songwriting, his his singing, and from there I really jumped in. He recorded seven albums, including one that came out early last year, and um, all kinds of great music. And there's tons of videos of him playing um, playing live on on YouTube. He's been recording his own music and touring for a long time, and he made it a point not to draw too much on his name. In fact, I saw an interview where he said he may have only ever played two shows with his dad. Mm-hmm. They don't write songs together or whatnot. They've kind of each done their own thing. But he spent his almost his whole life on the road. Uh, a really great artist. Unfortunately, he passed away last year. He had apparently struggled with um, alcohol and drug abuse since uh, his early teens. And I believe that might have been a reason for his death. So that was very, very sad news. But um, really love his music. Even have some of his songs on vi- some of his albums on vinyl. So really, someone that I encourage everyone should look him up. So is this particular song representative of his sound as a whole, or did you discover a wider range of styles? This song has that lo-fi kind of feel that I mentioned, but he also mm-hmm. gets much into acoustic blues. I might call it mm-hmm. and. Um, some country as well. He he really he really runs a pretty full range of different stuff. Writes all his own stuff. Um, plays guitar. Uh, now I will mention about this record, um, which is called Harlem River Blues. One of Josh's favorite musicians plays lead guitar, electric guitar on this album. And I'm being I'm being uh, sarcastic. It's actually Jason Isbell, which is. Um, <laughs> He's a, a well-known Americana artist who happens to be... Josh's wife is a huge fan, but he, Josh and I are particular fans of this guy. But anyway... Oh, no no offense. It just no doesn't offense. do it for me. But this... Uh, very interested in exploring this further. Yeah, and you should. Uh, if, if you've mentioned it to me before, which you probably have... I have. Sometimes we're better about checking up on those things than others. And 
and it, it just didn't get to the radar for for whatever reason. It got it got off the text screen and out of yeah. out of sight, and I forgot about it. But that won't happen again. I'm going to go further with Justin Towns Earl. Great great selection. I thoroughly enjoyed that. Well, I hope that you all, uh, Josh, is going to go check out this guy. I hope you all do as well. Great. That's fantastic, Jacob. So, Josh, first choice for you. What have you got for us? Well, it is interesting because I very specifically remember when, in the late 80s, this particular song got on my radar. It was being played a little bit on the radio, and it was by a band that I was not at all familiar with at that time. Uh, I would have been 14-ish, 13, 14-ish, but... This song had such a great groove to it that I was instantly hooked. And as I further looked into this band, I found out that it was from a comeback album. And the reason that they had needed a comeback album was their founder and original lead singer and guitar player had died in the late 70s. And they had reformed with another guy to sing those songs. And the band that I'm talking about is Little Feet. And the song is called Hate to Lose Your Lovin' from their 1989 release, Let It Roll. It's so interesting because I had no idea when I heard this and and we got this album, which also has the great Let It Roll on it, just a great song that you should definitely check out too. But I had no idea that them continuing to use a little feet name and beginning to tour again was controversial. Now I know very well that Lowell George founded Little Feet, and he was, in the early years, the heart and soul behind Little Feet. And so after this comes out and I digest it, I go back searching for other things and eventually discover the album Dixie Chicken, which is 
probably in my top five albums of all time. Whoa. I love that record. Well, you know, we talked about how I've written some album reviews and I've been real slow about it. Is this one of them that you... I, I only Dixie have Chicken? done three and the third one I did was Dixie Chicken. Okay. After I did Gaucho by Steely Dan and The White Album. Okay. Then I went to Dixie Chicken. That is how fond I am of that record and several of Little Feet's other records. Nobody grooved like them. So when they reformed this um, in, in the late in the late eighties, they hired a new guy to be the lead singer, and he his name is Craig Fuller, and that name is not going to ring a bell with most people. Does but it with me? He in the early seventies formed a band, and with that band put out two albums, and on the second album he wrote and sang the lead on a song that virtually all of you know, and that song was Amy by Pure Prairie League. Really? So Craig Fuller was one of the founders of Pure Prairie League. Okay. And Little Feet specifically picked him up because he sings a lot like Lowell George. And so he would sing all the Lowell George parts, and then the other guys who were in the band would sing the stuff that they normally did. So, I'm you know... Glare at me if you want, but I'm not so familiar with Little Feet. Um, that will change after being reminded of this song. Uh, I was not aware, though, that they had this sort of big lineup change. Mm-hmm. You know, I I've, I know the name Lowell, Lowell George as associated with the with the group, and I mean I've heard Dixie Chicken, it's great, but I haven't really dove into their catalog much. So there is there is no doubt that Little Feet is one of my ten favorite bands of all time. Just absolutely love the groove. That's a good example of the groove, in particular, uh, Richie Hayward, the drummer, one of the finest drummers in in music history, not just with Little Feet, but also session work all around the place. Uh, We lost him about 10 years ago, and that really sort of ended the Little Feet groove because he sets it. If you like to air drum along with songs, you can air drum along with Little Feet songs because... (laughs) He's one of those guys that just, he doesn't keep the beat. He plays the drums as an instrument. Just great. But Craig Fuller, uh, just to go a little bit further with him, I thought, uh, I found this this quote from him because he, he, he only made three albums with them and then he kind of retired from the music scene and has occasionally reunited with them over the years to do a show here and there. And he reformed Pure Prairie League for a while. and But he's just mostly kept it on the down low. But it, this seemed very, very appropriate for, for our purposes. Um, Fuller says he has his own idols. Bob Dylan and Sandy Denny, because of the songwriting. Taj Mahal and Ry Cooter, because of the musicianship. George Jones and Ray Charles, because of the singing ability. And Donald Fagan, because of all of the above. Really? So, whoa, that's cool. A big steely dad and Donald Fagan fan. How about that? Is Craig Fuller wow. from Pure Prairie League and from Little Feet Part Two. And while, yes, the original set of Little Feet albums, particularly the first four and the, the live Waiting for Columbus, is the gold standard, the three albums that the Craig Fuller fronted version did. Let It Roll, Representing the Mambo, and Ain't Had Enough Fun, or no, excuse me, and Shake Me Up, are all three wor- worth listening to. They're not a I like every song on them record, but they have a lot of good music on it. 
and it brought me to the real little feet. So well, hate really to lose your loving, good song, cool, and brought me something that I've been enjoying ever since. One of the great Southern bands of all time. Well, definitely going to check into it. As you said after my first song, now I'm going to definitely look into it as well. I awesome. will be happy to provide you with a suggested roadmap. Absolutely. I know that to be the case. All right, Jacob, number two. Well, number two, I'm not going to say anything about this song. I'm going to simply play it. So, from the downbeat, when I heard this song, also on the Spotify Discover Weekly, from the downbeat, the guitar and the the drums, I'm thinking, what is this? Where are they? Who are they? What the heck? So, what does it sound like to you? It sounds like maybe L.A. in the 70s, 80s. Crazy. The with, West Coast with the sound. West Coast sound. You get the Yacht Rock vibes. Gosh, these guys, they must have eight, nine albums going back to the 70s, right? So you figured it was music from that time. I mean, certainly it sounded like it. I, I would have thought the same thing. Well, this album, West, West End, End Coast. Coast, it's from 2015. <laughs> Much to your surprise, I'm sure. It was. This is uh, an artist, or I should say a group, excuse me, called Young Gun Silver Fox. And uh, it's just how it sounds. It's two guys. We have Andy Platt, the Young Gun, who is um, from England. And then we have Sean Lee, the Silver Fox, who is from Kansas City. And uh, he's been around a long time as a, a writer and producer, I understand. Um, Andy Platt has another um, little group called Mamba, Ma- Mamba, Mama's Gun. And um, they decided to collaborate. 
and they recorded this album all on their own, and they did it actually um, while one was in the States and one was in England. They uh, recorded um, all the parts and they put them together on the computer. I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure they recorded the instruments live, but you know, digitally recorded them and put it together. Um, they've since released two more albums, and each well. The second album is really, really, really good. The first album is really, really, really good. Third album I haven't come around to yet. It's not as good as the first two, I think. Yeah. Still but good, they, but... They are definitely worth looking into. You must pause the show and go and listen to <laughs> Young Gun Silver Fox. Well, this was one I successfully uh, took Jacob's cue on. Not really, though, because it actually took about three years two years. Uh, this was actually, I remember, um, really? 2016 or 17 was when this came up for me and I texted both Josh and Joel, his son, this, uh, the link to this song, but neither of them responded to me that day. Um, it took, um, Shame on us. <laughs> me and my wife and Josh and his wife, we had gone to Dallas for something coming back on the way back. I played this and, from the downbeat, Josh was like, what is this? Come on. You played this song? Yeah. Okay, because I had in my mind that you had played Kingston Boogie for me first. Well, you know, so I may have. Because that but, AM Waves would have been out by then. Yeah. This this song, something about it just it just takes you yeah, from the beginning. Yeah, it's, it's great. And I I actually, uh, we, we have an intersection. I, I had Young Gun Silver Fox on my list. I knew you would. But the song that I picked was... A different song. I'll just mention it. We won't have to talk about it, but it was Midnight in Richmond. Oh, yes. Because it, it does similar to You Can Feel It in that it sounds like a, a period of that West Coast sound time. And the guitar solo in particular, I just, I said, oh, this is it. I love this. And and I can't, I can't wait for the pandy to end. Well, in general, obviously, ready for that to, to be behind us, but... I so want these guys when they're touring to come to the states. I'll make a trip to see them. We will They've go. become one of we my favorite go. bands. We'll have to go see it. So I wholeheartedly approve of yes. that selection. I know you would. So again, Young Gun Silver Fox, go check it out. So now moving on, Josh, to your second selection. What might it be? So I spent many years coaching youth baseball. And got to know a lot of different people over that time. Uh, probably about a 10-year period with both of our sons that, that we spent doing that. And that gave a lot of time for on road trips to tournaments and things to talk about a lot of different things with a lot of different people. And one of my players' uh, fathers was very interested in and traveled around and often went to concerts with this particular artist and we have mentioned this artist before but probably have not given him the due that is appropriate for the amount of time we all spend listening to Bob Schneider and though the first song I was familiar with would be the closest thing he's ever had to a hit uh, 40 Dogs uh, that is not the song that said, I'm on to something here. The song that did that was this one. Well, here I am 
walking down the street again Like a scene in a movie Just me and the garbage can Clicking my shoes on the ground Like an aristocrat And the power of conviction Yeah, I always fall for that And I know You got me. You, you. We had another intersection there because I too had Bob Schneider on my list. Well, that was the lead track from 2009's "Lovely Creatures" album. That song is trash. And no, the... that song isn't trash. It's a great song. <laughs> it's a great song. That song is entitled "Trash." <laughs> <laughs> and I heard it, and I thought the chord progression in particular was fascinating. Not to mention, as is very common with. Bob Schneider, I yeah, really had common. no idea what he was talking about. And even after close listening to a lot of his songs, you're you're not always entirely sure, but it sounds so good and so poetic that it often doesn't matter whether you ever figure it out or not. It, it certainly has a certain... It really has... This album has, a, has very much a pop sensibility about it. Um, slick um, pr- production and easy to listen to. So much that you may overlook the lyrics being a little strange or maybe, um, you know, something that can't be interpreted really that well. Right. Well, that started me to want to listen to more, and I listened to the Lovely Creatures album over and over and over again. I I think there's not a bad song on the album. I, I love all of them. It's going to be one of my favorite albums ever. And in 2013, not too long after that, had the opportunity to go and see Bob Schneider for the first time at the Liberty in Tyler. And this guy, whom I'm just familiar with this one album, comes out by himself with an acoustic guitar and begins to sing these songs. Well, did we go with y'all the first I, time? I don't know if... I don't think you did, 
Because, um, the, well, the first time that we saw him was at the Liberty Hall as well, but maybe that was y'all's second by that by that I, point. I just, I don't I remember, can't remember him now. being there. And certainly you wouldn't remember because you've seen Bob many dozens of times. Um, I think my count is at 23 times now since 2013. Okay. I thought maybe it was in the 30s or 40s. Uh, no, not yet, but that's only because of the pandy. <laughs> because it is... I can't get enough of going to see Bob. So he comes out, and that night, of course, I only know a handful of songs anyway. I think I knew two songs he played, but I loved all of it. And he will just play his guitar and sing, but he'll also use his looper to create a the sound of the full band. He'll start a drum beat, and that'll loop, and he'll add a bass part, and that'll loop. Because he he'll it, set up on stage with a, with a keyboard and his iPad and some pedals. Yeah. Uh, he even will have a a, a, um, a crash cymbal or a trumpet. Yes. He'll add lots of interesting yeah, things. You'll never know. I mean, I've, I've seen him with a kazoo. You know, it doesn't... It doesn't matter. It's just he is he is dynamic as a performer. Mm-hmm. I think probably puts on the best live show of any of any person I've ever gone to see live. I mean, taking everything into consideration, I, I would agree. On his own or with a band, we've seen both. Mm-hmm. He's very good with the band as well. Just a lot of a lot of fun, and, and the interesting thing, perhaps the most interesting thing about him, is that now after all this time. I'm familiar with all of his released catalog. Um, I have all the ones that are available I have on vinyl. Uh, one of my favorite artists. And yet, if I go see him today, 75% of what I hear I probably will not be familiar with because he's always debuting new music. He's very he's, much a tinkerer as far as... Yeah, he doesn't goes. ever play the same things. And he'll go back... And, you know, so often all you get from people are either the hits, if it's a big artist, or whatever they're just now releasing. Right. But he'll go back and pull stuff out, you know, from 20 years ago, you know, little hidden gems. Nothing is off limits. And sometimes he'll take requests and you'll get people coming up Play with, peaches. Yeah. Peaches. Peaches. <laughs> I'm not playing peaches tonight, but thank you. I did hear you, you know. Peaches. Peaches. <laughs> Bob Schneider... Had to be on the list. My entry song for getting interested was Trash. What What was yours? Um, Head, Hold, Head Holds Gold, actually. <laughs> Same album. And, that, and like we mentioned earlier, this was not the first song of his I'd heard, but something about that song. Maybe it was the trumpet. Uh, I'm a trumpet player, or I played in, in school. Um, but he's been recording. He's really been around for a long time. He's, um, te- he's uh, from Texas, from El Paso. And he's been around the Austin scene for probably 30 years now with Getting various close. groups. Yeah. Uh, yeah. His first solo album was in 2000, I think, mm-hmm. and very good. And he's kept recording to this day. Well, if I had had a second choice, it would have been Your Head Holds Gold, Your Heart oh, Holds really? Diamonds. Because <laughs> that is one of my favorite songs on that record. But Trash was the opening track and the one that drew me in because I just happened to play it first because it was first on the album. But... I could very well have said, and often will when I'm saying to someone, hey, you need to listen to Bob Schneider, I will often play, your head holds gold, your heart holds diamond. And then very similarly to what you were talking about earlier, this is a guy, no no style is off limits. No. He raps. Yes. Uh, he plays some country type stuff, mm-hmm. even I've heard. Rock. Um, electronic. Yeah. Um, it, it's it, it's a big, big thing. 
And I've missed being Hip-hop. able to go see Bob, but on New Year's Eve, he did a four-hour free live show, and I watched all four hours of it. It, it was, was pretty weird. We watched it for... It was great. He <laughs> was, watched it he was about acting an hour and crazy and, and, and having a good time. And Speaking, it, of, speaking of gateways. <laughs> but being locked up for... For quarantine, which we were at the time, it made the night uh, very enjoyable. So my selection, my next selection is Trash by Bob Schneider. All right, Jacob? Well, you have caused me a headache because I will need to redirect some things because I my next song was going to be Head Holds Gold, Heart Holds Diamonds. So... I'm going to now choose a song by a band called Dawes. This is um, a song called From a Window Seat. cool band i think yeah i like that we i came uh, first came upon this song it was actually when josh and i went to dallas to see um electric light orchestra with his uh, son and new daughter-in-law we came to dallas um to meet them and um see this show and we were going to drive i was going to drive their car back to longview for them um they were about to go on their honeymoon. They, they literally were, yes. only gotten married a couple of days before, yeah. but stayed so that we could go see Jeff Lynn. It had been their plan for many months to go and see ELO, and somehow I got it got invited, or I can't remember now. But this band Dawes opened up for them, and they sounded great. This song was not their first. Uh, it was this song was a few songs into the set, if I remember. But just hearing that riff, the chord progression, the E minor. To B minor and and just I have said before that as far as um, new music and discovering music I'm gripped by the music first over the lyrics so when they when they played this and the the sound of the whole show was so good as soon as the the downbeat hit it was I don't know I was really into it and I remember all the way back um, home from Dallas I actually played their music the whole way home so. 
they they're from California and um, they've been around now for ten or fifteen years and recorded several albums. Go check them out because they're kind of alternate rock and folk. They've kind of done a lot, maybe some electric stuff too. They're a great band. Do we know how they got on Jeff Lynne's radar to open those shows? Have you ever no, heard anything about that? I have not. I don't know how, but probably the best or second best um, opening act I've ever seen. It would have to be a, maybe I would say a tie between seeing Dawes in front of ELO and seeing a band we've mentioned called the Cordobas when they opened for Jackie Green. You know, opening acts can be a hit or miss type of thing. Sure. Uh, but great. Yeah. Dawes. Go check them out. Great. Well, I, I enjoyed that. I have not listened to Dawes really very much. I was aware of them, obviously, having seen them, but um, has, have never been, have never explored them further. So perhaps now would be a good time to do it. I enjoyed that song yes. very much. Yeah, it's a big song of theirs. Let's see. Are we looking at number three for you? I believe so. All right, let's hear it. The third song that I would like to play for you is, again, by an artist that I've referenced a few times and thought this would be a good, a good place for talking about him. And it's one of my favorite singers of all time, Al Jarreau. And cool. while We're in This Love Together was the radio song that I knew, and even Roof Garden was on my radar, it was actually this song that made me a big Al Jarreau fan and have been ever since. This is Easy Tuesday, ain't it easy? Let your love ring out. Then my love in Tuesday. 
is so great. That album is so cool. So released June 30th, 1981. So I'm just shy of six years old when this comes out. I was negative 14. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember this album being on around the house and hearing we're in in this love together on, on the radio. But it was probably not for for some time later until I I knew there was something more from this guy than we're in this love together, which was all over the radio, of course. If you if you had to point to a record that established the West Coast sound, that particular kind of R and B that well sounds like this, this is probably the record that did so and helped give prominence and careers to people like James Ingram and Jeffrey Osborne and guys like that. This is the godfather record of, of that crowd breaking away by, uh, by Al Jarreau. And that song features his scat singing, which one of the things that he had done, begun to do by this point was to try to be more commercial. You know, his very first album sounds a lot different from this. It's much jazzier, a lot more scatting. Straight ahead. And he sort of splits it up and you get you get some of both here. So lots of lots of interesting stuff on that record. Again, one of my favorite albums of all time. Easily going to be top ten. Breaking away might get top five for me. I love, love this record, which was produced by I was just about to mention that. Jay Gray. Jay Graydon. He played the guitar solo um he was probably the umpteenth guy to yes. try, try to take a solo on Peg, but he played it on Steely Dan's, one of their biggest hits. Yes, very uh, good musical link there, once again, between Steely Dad, uh, one of our favorites, and, and this guy, Al Jarreau, whom has who been, like I said, one of my favorite singers for a very long time. I'll listen to him sing anything, and another one of those guys that I'll just put on. I've got my favorite records, but... I'm going to stop and listen when it's Al Jarreau. But probably the best thing uh, about about Al Jarreau is I got to meet Al Jarreau <laughs> when he was kicking off oh, a man. tour. And apparently he was, uh, he had a penchant for playing small places to kind of get the thing started before he got so to he the bigger to places. Get warmed up a yeah, it's little warm ups. And so. He comes to Longview, Texas, what, eight, nine years ago-ish? It must have been nine to ten, I would say. Yeah, yeah, that's probably about right. And plays at the Belcher Center at Laterno University, and I'm like... Small time. This is... Total small time. This is Al Jarreau. This is one of the greatest singers in popular music history. We're going... And so I bought tickets up for, for several different people and and got there and the place was not full and I just was incensed that how can this place not be packed for algebra. But he sang and I'm trying to think, just who all was there, Jacob, with me to see Al Jarreau for the first and only time? Well, let's see. Somehow you got a ticket um, open and um, I, I don't know. How did it come up? Did you suggest that... that- that Sarah invite me? Um, I don't recall it that way. Uh, what happened was my wife wasn't feeling well, and so she begged out. And so I had an extra ticket. And I believe it was Sarah's idea. Hey, I'll invite Jacob, if that's okay. And I said, sure. I barely knew any of y'all at the time. Um, 
it was really funny because I was with my parents at Chick-fil-A, and I get a call from Sarah. I, you know, I've mentioned a few times how I was really pursuing her and really liked her. I was in the friend zone. Anyway, she calls me, and the first thing she says is, what are you wearing? <laughs> oh, this is going even better than I thought. <laughs> what? I, no, I don't recall that being my first thought. I'm like, where is this going here? What am I wearing? Um, boots and jeans, a jacket. You want to come to see Al Jarreau with me? Who's Al Jarreau? I didn't know who he was, really. The only thing I remember from that night, other than that funny occurrence, was that he played Cheese Leaving Home. I remember mm-hmm. that specifically. Mm-hmm. And your song, Elton John's Your Song, also. He did? Mm-hmm. I just remember it being a really fun time and that he was a great singer. And, and later is when I heard Breaking Away. That's an album that I have on vinyl. Mm-hmm. Um, I was able to get a near mint um, copy that had a, had the seal on it. It was broken, but mm-hmm. it was near mint. Two dollars and fifty cents off eBay. There you go. And that's one of the albums I played most. That I just put on the record player and just play when I'm in the mood for listening to records because it's awesome album. Uh, I know my mother was with us there too, and she, so I remember that we were in her car too. Yeah, we, there wasn't a whole lot of space. Up, but that's what it, that's what it ended up being. And so after. Al Jarreau comes out to the lobby, and he's signing copies of albums and CDs, and we stood in line and shook his hand and thanked him for, for, for being there, and he was just the most genuine, happy guy. And you see pictures of him, he's always got this big, almost ridiculous grin on his face. That's him. The flat cap on, too, the yeah. backwards flat cap. The, the joy that he exudes when you see him performing or being interviewed, it's all real. It's how he is. Um, and so when he died a few years ago, the only thing I could think to to say about him was thanks, thank you for the joy and thank you for the music because joy and music are what he's all about. We got one chance at a picture. It's me and Al and my mother. And <laughs> it's a hilarious he's, picture. <laughs> he's got a huge grin on his face, and Mom and I both look like we're passing oh, gas. Man. So um, we might have to unearth that. Yeah, uh, it, it'll it'll get unearthed. Matt Matt will post it on Facebook as soon as he hears this because he <laughs> likes to just send that every once in a while in our text group. But anyway, the song is easy. My gateway oh, to one of my favorite singers of all time. That Al was great. Yeah, he's such a great musician and singer. I'm glad we got some funny stories out of that one. So, let's see. I guess this is going to be my fourth choice here. Mm-hmm. And again, redirecting some things after Josh has picked two of my artists. So. Well, we picked two of the same. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what I meant. That's what I meant. So, the next thing is um, actually a discovery of Josh's. And I hope this he may have chosen this guy as well. Um, I'm going to talk about Jackie Green. And his song that is called Farewell, so long, goodbye.
with a song that we both know very well. Isn't that right? Yes. Uh, also, my entry song for Jackie Green, while I did not choose him for my list, I very well could have because, again, this is one of my very favorite artists. This, uh, Like I said, this was Josh's discovery. Now, I, if I remember it correctly, you discovered him maybe 10 years ago. Um, At least. On Pandora. Yes. Like, was it this song? Was it also it, it another was, song no, called it was Just this, As Well? It was this song. It was this song. Yeah. I remember you played it for us um, all. Um, everyone was gathered around listening to it, and uh, it was mind-blowing. I was drawn to this initially because it sounded like Delbert Del McClinton, McClinton. <laughs> which is, and I love Delbert McClinton. Who doesn't love Delbert McClinton? But it's it's not exactly representative necessarily, and there are things about it that are, but that that style of song, you know, he'll go more country, he'll go in, he'll go more pop, he'll go folky. He does all sorts of things. But this is where it started. Got us to the album that it's on, American Myth. Yeah. We absorbed that. We until did. Until we knew all of that. Um, and then from there, just exploded into wanting to know his entire catalog. And we did. This is a guy who, his first album came out in about 2002. He's from the San Francisco area, and um, he really started off with a very folk um, and country sound, but by the time we hit American Myth, it's his fourth studio album, and we really get sort of a middle section of his sound. The I, I think that the song we've played for you is pretty representative of the sound of this album. Mm-hmm. It's a great album, and, and really all his albums are very good, and they sound incrementally different. Um, yeah, they do. He's really improving and changing um, through the whole catalog. And and keeping it to what he wants to do. You know, when he, like Jacob said, when he first started that, that first album, it's all acoustic and harmonica. Yeah. Um, and good writing. They they kind of pigeonholed him as Americana. Which they still him, do. Yeah. And, and I guess that's probably as good a way to do it as it. But he's just a... He's just a rock musician. Yeah, and he's a great guitarist, but a too. a fanta- fantastic one. Uh, and also, like, yeah, a guitarist. Um, spent the last year that the Black Crows were together as, as a, a member lead guitarist. of the Black Crows. He's also been involved with various elements of the Grateful Dead. Um, yes. Yes. I can't remember exactly. Um, there are several different ensembles that are around now. Yeah, he's um, played with Bob Weir. Yeah, I think and... it's called... Well, he's also played with, with Government Mule, which I think is a Warren Haynes um, thing. But yeah, Bob Weir. Um, the other Another member or two from The Grateful Dead he's played with. Even though he said, I saw an interview, where he wasn't really familiar with their music growing up, even though he no. was from San Francisco. Mm-hmm. I don't know how he got into it, but he's playing with them. He and he's been part of a couple of other ensembles. Um, yeah, so he, he, he I think really gets around. Bob Weir would do Bob Weir and Friends and stuff like I, that. That's what it was. I couldn't think of the yeah, name of it. And Jackie would would be a part of that. And you you've seen that. I, I've seen that. And and I've seen that they did New Orleans maybe for Jazz Fest or something. But I've also seen where uh, Dead Feet did 
New Orleans for Jazz Fest a couple of times, which was some of the members of Little Feet and some of the members of the Grateful oh, Dead. Really? <laughs> I don't know which ones, but so it's kind of a crossover of all of this stuff together. Uh, one degree of separation between Jackie and my first selection, Little Feet, but you know you got to check Jackie out if you, you haven't. You before. must. You must. And I think he's this is done, a great place to start. Yeah, I think he's done. Um, let's see, seven or eight albums now, and uh, we've been lucky enough to see him twice, I believe. I uh, know I've seen him twice. I've, I've seen, seen three him times. Three times. He doesn't mm-hmm. get around Texas that much. No, when 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 touring happens, he's he's he left coast, coast and right coast. But, but he's very big in California. Very often, in fact, I believe this is the case for all three times that I've seen him because it's been in Dallas, uh, once at Sons of Herman, once at Gas Monkey, and once well, actually, there was in, a place in Fort Worth. But it was, I believe, all of those were right before South by Southwest. And he did a oh. Dallas show before proceeding down, okay. to, if I remember correctly. Well, that, that would make sense yeah. anyway. So that's that's what I look forward to, the opportunity to get to see him when, when that happens. So maybe not as often as some of the others, but you know, guys like Bob Schneider or Jackie Green or, or similar, the best thing about those is if you really get into an artist like that, not only can you enjoy it, you feel like you're kind of in on something special. Obviously, you want them to be successful, but you just can't beat being able to go and sit in a room with anywhere from maybe 50 people or even on up to someplace like the Granada with you know a couple, 300 people. Mm-hmm. It's still an intimate setting, and it costs you like 20 bucks. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. The Sons of Herman Hall show was great. That was the first time we went to see him. It was. And we may have already talked about this. We, we did episode. a little bit because there were not very many people there. Yeah, we were sitting at a table next to the stage. Yeah. yeah it was really fun. It was a whole lot of fun. So, so please, again, pause the show. <laughs> Go and save Jackie Green music wherever you, wherever you listen. Go yeah. check him out. Party amen to that. Well, let's see. That was my fourth. What's your fourth? My fourth song sounds like this. Oh, wizard's got such a suffering 
Oh, yeah. Obviously, that was Pinball Wizard by The Who. When I was a kid, my dad had this extended cab pickup truck. And it had these two speakers wired into the back where the jump seats were. I don't know exactly how that worked, but it gave four speakers to that truck. And they were good speakers. And this song, I remember one of the few songs I specifically remember being played riding in that truck. And I was holding that speaker. It was about the size of a lunchbox. Because <laughs> when the acoustic guitar is going and doing that Pete Townshend thing, that, that, that Pete... The rhythm uh, lead thing. Yeah, the rhythm lead thing with the suspended fourth chords over and over again. But I'm waiting for that big bang to yeah. kick in. And I'm holding that speaker, and every time it kicked in, I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> Certainly, you got some little little uh, fun stuff there with the stereo recording and all that. I just was blown away by, by this. And I began to investigate the who. Who? <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to do it. Not guess who, <laughs> but who? Actually, that's why they named themselves that. Who's playing over here? You know, it's like Abbott and Costello. First. Yes, exactly. I developed very quickly into a Who fan, and and will I continue to hold this opinion? I've argued with people about it. They've argued with me about it, but I continue to say that the Who is the greatest rock and roll band of all time. I'm scratching my head there. Well, go ahead and scratch. We, we may have to disagree. Go about ahead that and later. scratch. But well, who would you say? Who? See. <laughs> well, I mean, come on. You have Pete Townshend. You have um, John Entwistle, who you would say, and I would probably agree, is the greatest bass. Is player. the greatest bass player of all time. Um, you have Keith Moon. You do. Who is the greatest drummer of all time? And uh, really good at property damage too. Gotta Absolutely. have that if you're a rock band. Roger Daltrey, yeah, fantastic vocalist, exciting stage show, great writing, great playing. When it comes to rock and roll, nobody did it like the Who. I understand if you choose the Rolling Stones to be the greatest rock and roll band of all time, they've been doing it 60 years and are still doing it, so... I'm not going to begrudge somebody uh, that choice. Well, I mean, I'm not saying it's them either. Well, that's that's usually the argument that I get into. Oh, is well, it the Who or is it the Stones? For me... Yeah, well, what is even rock and roll music? I mean, I, I don't know. That That's a, that's a, that's a story well, for another it show. It is, but it's worth mentioning. I mean, I don't consider the Beatles to be a rock band. I consider them to be a pop band. Do they play rock? Sure. But if I think, what's a rock and roll band? I don't think of the Beatles. Now, in their early days, when rock and roll was the 50s rock and the early 60s style rock... They were rock, certainly doing all that. They were doing that. and that, but, but they were... I find them to be more artistic and more uh, commercial, not in a negative way, in a good way, than I do the Stones and the Who. And... To well, me, it comes down to one, one, of those, one of those two. And for me, it will always be the Who. With Quadrophenia, Who's Next, Tommy, three remarkably wonderful albums. I, I guess it just comes down to where did they go? Where did they end up? Because Beatles, Who, Rolling Stones all got big 
during the British invasion. They were all the, you know, the four guys in suits with their hair nice and cut and whatever. What do they evolve to? Maybe that's a different story. So maybe if you look at it that way, Rolling Stones and who went rock and roll, the Beatles, they were pop rock. I mean, I understand where you're going. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying yeah. they didn't rock or anything. I just don't primarily, in my brain, it doesn't, I don't categorize them that way. Whereas there's no question that both the Who and the Stones are are, are are rock and roll bands, and I have always preferred the Who. Let us know what you think if you get a chance. And I will simply ask because someone out there is expecting me to do so. Are you aware of the Pinball Wizard? What's your fifth selection, Jacob? Well, because. We have ended up um, intersecting a little bit with each. Uh, we're mutually choosing two artists for our list. I am coming with a backup, and I struggled whether to um, put this guy in instead of one of the others. I wasn't sure. I guess in a way, I'm glad that I'm getting to talk about this guy because he is one of the greats. Let let us go to Oklahoma. I'm going to be playing for you after midnight by J.J. Cale. Outstanding. After midnight We're gonna let it all hang out After midnight We're gonna chill up and shine We're gonna cause talk and suspicion Get the next vision Find out what it is all about After midnight We're gonna let it all hang out After midnight Gonna shake your tambourine After midnight Gonna be peaches and cream. We're gonna cause talk and suspicion. Give an exhibition. Find out what it is a whole label. After midnight, we're gonna let it all hang. certainly a departure from the more well-known version of this song, which is from Eric Clapton. Yes. Uh, two, two versions. The faster version and then the, the slower version that he did later are probably both more well-known than this original. 
JJ JJ Kale is someone that has been around all my life as far as songs I've heard. Mm-hmm. I didn't know where they came from. When I think about um, "Call Me the Breeze," also on this album, naturally by JJ Kale, his first. Well, "Call Me the Breeze" was made big by Leonard Skinner. And that's a really cool song with the horns and and the production, the guitars, the whole Leonard Skinner. They did it their way. Mm-hmm. Eric Clapton did uh, this song. It's good. It's Eric Clapton from his first solo album as well. I also think about "Cocaine" by Eric Clapton, another song I love. And by the way, I'm a huge, huge Eric Clapton fan. So all these songs I've known for a long time. But then I go on YouTube and I see. Um, where there's videos of J.J. Kale and Eric Clapton playing, and I'm like, who is this guy? Well, it turns out he wrote all those songs. He recorded all those songs. Eric Clapton specifically has recorded a bunch of J.J. Kale songs. And when I go and listen to this first album, again, it's called Naturally. It's got a raccoon on the cover mm-hmm. with a cane. <laughs> this is so awesome. It is lo-fi. I would refer to it as low-key. I think it is so cool, and, and this guy, he, he is way underrated as far as in the general sense. Now, as a guitarist, I've seen him ranked as the best guitarist. Um, that's interesting. That is interesting. But um, this song, uh, when, I went, when I went and listened to it, it was such a contrast, like I already mentioned from Eric Clapton's version. I had to go listen to more, and so um, I've been through all his catalog. And it was, it was like we'd mentioned before. I've heard a few songs of his without realizing it was him. But it was hearing this that I, I, had, to, I had to know more. When you were talking about Justin Towns Earl being lo-fi, I almost said it reminds me of J.J. Kale. And I didn't mean, I should have mentioned, I started to mention J.J. Kale back then as well, but mm-hmm. I don't know why I didn't. Uh, but totally a, another comparison to make. I've, I've been known to describe J.J. Kale's genre as country stoner rock. <laughs> and uh, That's about it. <laughs> your, your son likes this album, too, and he says that it's swamp rock. Uh, I, could take, I could take that, too. But I like lo-fi and low-key rock. Um, and, but it, it's so interesting because if you listen to this album, and by the way, you should. Yes, absolutely. You should go great, listen great to this album. You get the guitar, very low output pickups, but then you get horns, uh, you get drum machines. I mean, this is a guy who's not afraid to to make whatever he wants, to put whatever sound he wants on his albums, and he does so. And he kind of, um, he was obscure for a long time until Eric Clapton picked up this song after midnight, and it caused people to go take a look at him. And lots of musicians today, um, as I've already said, have recorded his music and count him as an influence. Uh, probably a lot of it because of the attention that Eric Clapton brought to him. Definitely, that that was what really put J.J. Kale in the public consciousness. And I believe Eric and J.J. did an album together they did. before J.J. Before Kale died. So you took us up to Oklahoma. Sure did. So, I'll Jacob having taken us to Oklahoma, I, I feel as I 
round the bend and, and come to my final selection that I need to bring us back to Texas. And in doing so, I will play for you this song. If I couldn't tell Well, you think you pull your boots on right And wear your hat so well So pour me my laughter As I sure do understand Even Moses got excited When he saw the promised land That's right, you're not from Texas That's right, you're not from Texas that's right, you're not from Texas, but Texas won't you anyway. That's right, you're not from Texas. That's right, you're not from Texas. That's right, you're not from Texas. Texas won't you anyway. So I was, I was born and raised in Texas, and it means so much to me. And though my girl comes from down in Georgia, we were, were up in, in Tennessee, and as we were driving down the Highway. She asked me, baby, what's so great? How come you're always going on about your lone star state? I said, that's right, you're not from Texas. That's right, you're not from Texas. That's right, you're not from Texas. But Texas won't you anyway. That's right, you're not from Texas. That's right, you're not from Texas. That's right, you're not from Texas. Texas won't you anyway. All the road, it looks so Side, and she grew small in my mirror as I watched her wave goodbye. That would be Lyle Lovett and his large band singing a song about Texas nationalism. Is that right? Pretty much. <laughs> kind of tongue in cheek a little bit. <laughs> but it's, and I don't, I, I can't contextualize it as far as when. And even who, but I know that is the song that caused me to explore Lyle Lovett further. Until that came onto my radar at some point, and it wasn't in 96 when that was released, it was after that. The only Lyle Lovett on my radar was in 1993 when, shortly after I graduated from high school, he married Julia Roberts, the biggest actress in the entire world at the time. Mm. And here's this guy. Uh, let's, let's be honest. He's a funny-looking dude. Yeah, he is. And here he is with America's sweetheart, Julia Roberts, and nobody knew really what to make of that. Um, if I had been a little older, perhaps, I would have, or if there had been an internet, <laughs> perhaps, <laughs> I would have discovered a fantastic artist, but it would actually be this song, That's Right, You're Not From Texas, that turned me on to Lyle Lovett, and again, two of my very favorite albums of, of his, and really, I can't ever decide whether it's this album, that The Road to Ensenada, that has this song on it, or Joshua Judge's Ruth, which of those two albums I like better. I pretty much just decide whichever one I'm listening to at the time <laughs> is the one that I like better. But he's, you know, we talked a little bit about him in the Texas country 
episode. Um, and I, I felt like I didn't really want to pigeonhole him into Texas music. I, I felt like his output is more diverse and doesn't really fit in the same way. But so much of it is similar. His songs can be humorous. They can be tongue-in-cheek. He does the thing with the large band, but he also does you know, things that are you know, very soft and contemplative and you know, him on acoustic guitar and, and stuff like that. So over time, uh, That's Right, You're Not From Texas didn't stay my favorite Lyle Lovett song. That would probably be I've Been to Memphis, which is the <laughs> first great one. track on Joshua Judge's Roof. But that is just a wonderful, wonderful tune. Um, speaking of sense of humor, but, but great musicianship. There's just not enough that can be, that can be said about Lyle Lovett other than I've got to check him off of my list as I've never seen Lyle Lovett. You mentioned that several times. You really need to do that. A, a band, somebody you'd like to really see live is Lyle Lovett. Speaking of gateway songs, my gateway to Lyle Lovett was actually I've Been to Memphis. Oh, was and, it? And those two albums that you mentioned, I'm really into them. Yeah. They're very good albums. He's so cool. It's, it is different. I, I kind of get a sort of a, not that there's a direct comparison, but I always think about the, all, the Texas swing bands back in the day, like Bob Wills and Oh, yeah, there's some of that, that in there. Stuff. Sure. So. I, I, I think there may be a pre-gateway for Lyle Lovett. And if there is, it would probably be You've Got a Friend in Me with Randy Newman from Toy yeah. Story. You know, because that's something that my kids liked. And that may actually be the first time I was aware of, of La Love It for that reason. But the song that I remember getting me into enjoying listening to La Love It was That's Right You're Not from Texas from the Road Dead Sonata. But Texas Wants You Anyway. Texas Wants You Anyway. Well, I like that. A nice ending to this episode. Which, by the way, to whoever of your friends who came up with this. Uh, my friend Rodney. Was Rodney. Thanks, Colonel. That was only an hour ago you mentioned that, but I forgot. So anyway, to, to Rodney, thanks so much because this was a really cool uh, episode, I think. Yes, it was fun. It was it, fun. It, it's got a lot of different stuff in there, many different genres, some some things that everybody knows and some things that very few will have heard of. That's a good mix, I think, and it was a I lot of so. fun doing. Well, especially because a lot of our show is about music discovery and how we want to take music that people quote-unquote people in general don't know about and give it to them and so i think that this episode is a is a cornerstone could be a cornerstone for what we want to do there's all of these from the obscure to the the more well-known are are things that we listen to a lot so we're, we're kind of putting our our stamp of approval on there you know maybe for what it's worth yeah maybe you maybe you are familiar with the who but you've never really listened to them that much you know, I, maybe that'll give you a, a a reason to to go back and do that certainly with things you've never heard uh, to help you uh, along that our website uh, sefs.show we've begun to post these episodes along with spotify playlists so that all of the music that's in the, the show, and maybe even sometimes stuff we reference, is all in a playlist together. So we like to play the snippets on the show, sometimes longer than others, but not necessarily the whole song. If you really want to digest the music more fully, uh, you can do that, and there's a, a nice shortcut for you on the SEFS.show website. So you can do so. And we thought this would be something really cool that would give you a nice jumping off point, because... 
You can take those links to your Spotify app if you listen. Uh, you can save the playlist. You can get suggestions for other songs off of that playlist as well. So, you know, wrapping it all up, you know, this episode, well, and from at least, especially from my point of view, was about music discovery. So we hope that this episode and our website can be a great tool for that. Absolutely. So until we meet again, I'm Joshua. I'm Jacob. And this is Somebody, Somebody Else's, Else's Favorite, Favorite Songs. Be sure to check us out on our website, sefs.show. We're also on Facebook. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, please give us a rating and a review.